You're listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Serve, is part three in the series, Strategy, Our Plan for Spiritual Growth in 2024, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Good morning, everybody. I want to invite you to find in your Bible Mark chapter 6, the Gospel of Mark and chapter 6. In a moment, we're going to read the very end of this amazing chapter of Scripture. Last Sunday, I was in the country of Panama, where it was 90 degrees. I had the privilege of uh, performing a wedding for a young man I've known his whole life, and a young woman whose family I'm close to. Uh, The young man is the son of our uh, missionaries in Panama, uh, Tim and Tina Louderback. So I got to go down there, take part in that wedding. It's uh, maybe the bougiest wedding I've ever been a part of. Uh, but it was really a, a great time. I left there 90 degrees, and today it's nine. And let me tell you this I would rather be here at nine than anywhere else at 90. This is my favorite place to be, and I'm glad that you're here and that we're gathered around God's Word today. Thanks to Nick and the band today for uh, leading us in worship, and we've seen some people celebrate uh, their newfound faith in Christ in baptism. And uh, so it's been a good day already. In a moment, we're going to read from Mark chapter 6. We're starting this year at First Baptist Church with a refresher of our strategy for spiritual growth. And uh, we often show it in the graph that you're going to see on the screen here. Uh, This is what we believe is, uh, it's not something new here. This is uh, really the pattern of our expression of our faith and, and our pattern for growth here at First Baptist Church for 234 years. Uh, but uh, we've encapsulated it here in just four words that represent what we believe is the path that every member should take and will result in spiritual growth and uh, becoming closer to the Lord. So it begins at the top with worship. That's why I'm so glad you're here today that you've made it a priority even in single-digit temperatures to come and to gather with the church family. Because being here makes a statement. It says that you're not alone in your walk of faith in this world. It says that you, like everyone else here, believe in Jesus Christ and His Word, and we're standing on His Word together. And, And it's an encouragement to those who see you here and who see you come out of your neighborhood and out of your home. So uh, it begins with worship. We believe that uh, you're not going to grow spiritually if you're not gathering together with the church family for worship. But we don't want anyone to get stuck here in worship as good as it is. There is more. And uh, so going around the circle there is uh, the word grow. And we believe everyone should grow in a life group. You know, there are things that happen in the smaller groups that we call life groups that just can't happen in here. Uh, Pastor Craig talked about this last week, uh, that in a life group, that's where uh, discipleship can go deeper and friendships get stronger as we're able to gather around God's Word in a small group to discuss it, uh, catch up with each other, 
pray for one another, and learn from God's Word. But uh, there's even more than that, and that is to serve. Next week, we'll talk about go. Here's what I like about uh, the order of this. It's on purpose. Worship, grow, and then serve. Because serve really answers the question, why grow? Why grow? Um, Why would we want to grow spiritually if we are saved and saved forever and we're headed for heaven someday? What is the purpose of spiritual growth, pursuing discipleship, pursuing maturity in Christ? Why would we want to put forth the effort to do that at all? And the answer, I believe, is found in that word, serve. I thought about that when I was, uh, I heard some violin music while I was gone and I just, uh, I googled what is the most expensive violin in the world. And uh, so here's what I found. You ever go down rabbit holes like that on the internet? What's the most expensive? Here's what I found. The most expensive violin in the world was made in 1716 by Antonio Stradivari who made the Stradivarius violins. They are the best in the world. His best is a violin that is called the Messiah. It was found in his workshop after he died. It's brand new. It is in mint, brand new condition. And it's displayed in a museum in England on the condition that it will never be played. And so this Stradivarius violin sits inside a glass case at all times. It's probably the world's most beautiful musical instrument, the world's most perfect musical instrument, but nobody ever gets to play it. No music ever comes out of it. It is said that people who view it leave, almost everybody says the same thing, that is so sad. What good is it if it can't do what it was created to do, and that is to make music? And I believe the same kind of thing could be said of us. What good are we as Christians if we aren't doing what God created us to do? God has put it into our hearts. He's wired into the heart of all of His people to want to do something to give Him glory. To be useful for his kingdom in some way. To have some purpose that is higher and greater and better than simply serving ourselves and living for ourselves. He's put it in our hearts to want to serve him and to bring him glory by using the gifts and the abilities that he has given us and the life that he's given us to live. The Christian life, in other words, is not meant to be lived in a display case. We need to break out and let God use our service for His glory, our energy, our creativity, our gifts and skills for His glory. And so we're, we're talking about uh, in, uh, one each Sunday, each of these uh, places on our strategy map. Uh, on the first week, we uh, talked about worship, Last week, Pastor Craig talked about uh, grow. And today, I want to include uh, Steve Brewer, 
who is uh, directly responsible for leading our serve ministries and our serve team. And uh, so in a moment, we're going to tag up and you're going to get two or really three for the price of one today. So uh, he'll tag in in just a few minutes. Here at First Baptist Church, we are constantly asking for people to step up and serve in some way, whether it's a ministry project, feeding people throughout the week, uh, meeting community needs, teaching something, singing something, hosting something, facilitating all kinds of ministry. We're always asking people to step up and serve. And we do that unashamedly because we believe that every Christian ought to be involved in serving to meet some need in Jesus' name that will open up a door to be able to walk through it and share the gospel with somebody. We believe it's every Christian's privilege and responsibility to do that. So uh, around here, serving is not just a part of uh, who we are. I think it's what we do best. In fact, as a pastor, my favorite thing about this church is when I get to watch our church family come together to serve and to meet some need in Jesus' name together. I think we're at our best and we have the most fun when we're doing that together, serving. Uh, So I want to uh, look in our Bibles today at Mark chapter 6, and we're going to find a model for our serving. And then uh, Pastor Steve is going to tag in and uh, talk about the motivation for our serving, okay? So first of all, let's find a model for our serving together. Mark chapter 6 and verse 53. Now, this is an amazing chapter of the Bible because it tells us about what what seems like around 24 hours, Jesus performed some incredible miracles. First of all, he's teaching a large group of people. They get hungry and Jesus feeds 5,000 with leftovers with what amounts to a happy meal. And he just multiplies it miraculously and feeds everyone there until they're, until they're full. And then they had 12 baskets full left over. It's incredible. Then Jesus put his disciples in a boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And a storm comes up. They're frightened. And here comes Jesus. You know the story walking on top of the water. It's an amazing miracle. And he walks out to them, calms them down, calms the storm down. And when they get to the other side, after those two astounding miracles, here's what we read in verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And we're going to find Jesus was not finished doing amazing things. Verse 54, and when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. That is, they recognized Jesus. They ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered, into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well. Wow, what a Savior Jesus is. All these people in the Gennesaret region 
who were suffering, people who were unable to help themselves. They had to be carried to Jesus. And Jesus healed every single one of them that would just reach out and touch the hem of the clothes he was wearing. What a Savior. Think of the difference that that would have made not only in the lives of those who were healed, but also their families and the entire community. I think about the man who was disabled from a spinal cord injury, and and they carry him to Jesus. Now that man is standing strong, and he's out working in the field, all because of the healing power and the healing touch of the Lord Jesus in his life. Uh, I think about the little girl who was blind and mute, and now she skips and sings and plays with her little friends, all because of the healing touch of Jesus. I think about the woman who had to be carried around on her bed. Now she's walking and dancing and praising God, all because of the mercy and the grace and the healing touch of Jesus. Uh, it's amazing. And, and in this account, I find a model for serving. Now let me be clear, the focus of this passage of Scripture is Jesus, right? The focus is Jesus. His power over the natural world to heal any sickness, any injury, any disease. Jesus just takes authority over all of that, overrules the effects of all of those uh, conditions, and miraculously heals people. And so that's the focus here. The power of Jesus over the natural world. There's nothing stronger than Him. And the focus here is the compassion of Jesus for those who are hurting. Uh, Jesus just over and over, we see it. He has compassion on those who are struggling and suffering and and hurting. And, And the Bible says here, he healed them all. And so the focus of this passage is Jesus. But I got to tell you, I'm fascinated by these stretcher carriers that we read about in this account. You know what I'm talking about? The people who picked up the beds of those who could not walk themselves to get to Jesus, and they carried them wherever Jesus was. The Bible doesn't tell us their names, but these stretcher carriers, they knew what Jesus could do. Uh, The Bible says in verse 54 that when Jesus got out of the boat, immediately these people recognized him. The word recognized, in the Greek it's epigonosko. It means to know by experience, to know by personal knowledge. I, I don't know how they knew. Maybe they had seen Jesus perform healing miracles in Capernaum, which was not far away. Maybe uh, they themselves had been some of the people who were healed by Jesus. And so when they saw him, they knew what Jesus could do. They knew his power. And, and they immediately then began to think about the people in their community who were hurting and suffering. And they had a burden for them. You know what I mean by a burden? A burden is something that weighs on you. A burden is something you can't, you can't get away from. A burden is something that breaks your heart and, and it moves you 
to tears and it moves you to prayer and, and it moves you to serve, to go and do something to bring someone to Jesus. That's a burden. They had a burden. So when they saw Jesus and they knew what he could do, they were burdened about their neighbors. They began to think about the people who were uh, confined to their beds, the people who were diseased, the people who were disabled, the people who were on their deathbeds. And uh, they just decided we've, we've got to do something to get these people with the only one who can help them. And so verse 55 says they ran, they didn't walk, they ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Think about the effort these people exerted as they served others and got them to Jesus. They ran, they found the people. I'm sure they stepped into some pretty desperate, awful situations to pick these people up on their beds. And, and then they, they called their friends, hey, come help me carry this person to where they can find Jesus. And they did it. They carried them to where they could find him. And then they begged, the Bible says they begged Jesus to heal them if they would just touch the hem of his clothes. It, it's it's amazing what they did, the effort they exerted in carrying these people. These were stretcher carriers. And can I tell you what I've been thinking about this week? It's much easier to sit back and be a sermon critic than it is to go and be a stretcher carrier for somebody who needs to get to Jesus. Jesus dealt with sermon critics throughout his whole ministry, the Pharisees, the scribes, and others. It must have been refreshing for him to see these people take off running and come back carrying people, having given of their own energy and creativity and their own service so that somebody could meet Jesus and have their life changed. This is a model for our serving. Uh, I'm going to tag uh, Steve Brewer in now, and he's going to talk about a motivation for our serving. All right? Tag me in, Coach. <clears throat> Thank you, Brother Dan. <laughs> uh, before uh, I share with you for a few minutes, I, I do want to introduce and, and make known our serve team. It consists of myself and uh, Stephen Husky, who's the director of our ministry village, and Karen Price, who is our ministry assistant, uh, along with so many leaders and volunteers in some of the uh, uh, services and ministries that we have going on campus here at First Baptist Church. So uh, to begin with, before I speak, I want Stephen Husky to come up and he's going to share uh, something that's coming up in the next few weeks, as well as uh, perhaps a story where he's seen uh, how service has met the needs of uh, individuals in our community. Thank you, Pastor Steve. And before I do, uh, I have to confess a little bit. Hey, so I'm so thankful to be your ministry village director, but I got to recognize my little village here. You know, we usually sit in the back in this service and we're up here on the front. And so my beautiful wife is 17 years, Jennifer. I've got my 11 year old Reese, who's basically an adult, loves cats. And my eight-year-old Jackson, who we have developed this awesome love of epic Nerf battles, right? And I said, you guys are moving up to the front. Don't embarrass me. But if I embarrass you, 
Reese gets a new cat, Jennifer gets a really expensive dinner, and Jackson gets to shoot me 30 times with a Nerf gun. So, Hey guys, I wanted to real quick mention that uh, on February 25th, that evening, we'd love for you to join us. Uh, Pastor Steve and I are working on Ministry Village Foundations, and this really is a thing, I promise. But uh, we're going to do a really in-depth kind of uh, update about what we've been doing. And i got to tell you, it's a lot of fun working with Pastor Steve. We've traveled to many churches and other faith-based organizations. And there's a lot of great information we got and a lot of funny stories. So you all don't want to miss that. But you know, Ministry Village happens on this campus every day. And through programs, as Pastor Corwin mentioned, the uh, Hot Meals for Helping Hands, or Hot Meals for Hungry Hearts on Mondays and Helping Hands on Wednesdays, we've gotten the opportunity to see some really, really great connections. And I want to share one story, if I could, for just a moment. You know, this is a story of one of our uh, sweet uh, regulars that goes to both Monday Hot Meals and our uh, Helping Hands. And let's be honest, her life's been really rough. Um, She has seen a lot of stressful things, a lot of hurtful things. Um, There's some scars there. Now she has this most beautiful smile, this most beautiful light coming out of her eyes and and but you can tell, you know, with those with those smile lines, there's also a lot of miles and a lot of difficult things she's had to encounter. But you know what? She comes on Monday night and she has a whole table of folks that uh, she has invited to hear not, not, not only for the great meal, but also to hear God's word being shared every single week. And she wants to make sure everyone's there and uh, she tells everyone how much she loves them. She's always offering a hug. But this, but this year, you know, I mentioned the tough times in her life. The tough turned into tragic, into a tragedy. And she lost her son, her young son, far too soon. You know, the sting of death is, we're never prepared for that. It's always too soon. But we had the opportunity through the Lord's work there to reach out to her and, and, and love on her and comfort her in her desperate time and need. Because you see, she reached out to us for help. And she could have asked for us to pay a past due bill or to take care of that funeral balance. You know, that, might, that would have been appropriate. And we get that request all the time. God blesses our church so much. But here's the thing. What she asked for, she said, I, I want to get my hair done. I want to get a pretty dress. I want my nails done so that I can look my absolute best at that funeral service for her beloved son. And also, you know, she's, she's witnessing to her grandbabies, but she'll tell you she's, she's raising them and she's sharing the love of Christ. And those children are going to be a legacy for, for, and we get to be a part of that in our serve ministry. And don't you know, a generous life group was able to come through there and, you know, it seems like a very small thing, but it was such a powerful kingdom impact how they were able to provide that haircut, that dress, that manicure. And you know, sometimes the gospel is preached through those very basic, very tangible, but very real and very powerful things. And that's just something that happened. That's just one instance in so many. And we are so thankful for your support, for for how that you help us in the serve ministry, your prayers, and just a church that values service. And we know that this is for a huge gospel impact. Thank you all. And I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Steve. 
so incredible things happen when we um, put ourselves in the position to serve the Lord. Uh, as I was thinking about why, why do we serve? What's, what's our motivation for serving? I came across or I came up with three things that impact me that I wanted to share with you this morning briefly. But the first one is the goodness of God. God's goodness to each and every one of us should serve as a powerful motivation for us wanting to serve Him. When somebody does me a favor, I'm always anxious to try to repay it. Look what all He has done for us. We should be anxious to do something for Him. I was thinking about Joshua chapter 24. You know, that uh, powerful verse, we all know verse 15. Uh, where Joshua calls all the people of Israel together and he says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day uh, who you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Prior to Joshua issuing that challenge, if you go back to verse 3, you'll hear what he told the congregation before he issued that challenge. He said, I want to remind you in verse 3, Then I took, listen to the goodness of God, Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau, I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Verse 5, also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them, and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And he goes on in the next few verses to re recall for them what all God had done, the provision of God, the protection of God, the goodness of God. And then he called on them to choose who you will serve, but for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. David says something very similar in Psalms 103, verses 1 and 2, when he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then David starts to list some of the benefits of God, some of the goodness of God. He forgives us of all our iniquities. He heals us from all diseases. He saves a life from destruction. Some of the good things that God does for us. And unfortunately, I'm like a lot of those people that Joshua and David were talking to. I need to be reminded just how good God is and how good He has been to me and to my family. And all that He has done for me should cause me to want to serve Him
with gladness. It's interesting in verse 2 of that 103rd Psalm that David would say, and forget not. That word forget actually means to be oblivious. Is it even possible that we can be oblivious to what good God has done for us? Or maybe, maybe it's just that we're used to being treated so well by God that we begin to take it for granted and we forget that we should in turn turn around and serve Him because He is more worthy than anyone or anything we have going on in our lives. So as we think about serving God, His goodness should compel us to serve Him. But not only that, but our growth. You know, when you serve God, you begin to grow. When you're obedient to God's command to serve and to be a servant, you begin to grow in your relationship with Him. When you give up your time, your energy, your effort, your comfort zone to serve Him, you grow in your relationship with Him. And we need to keep that in mind. Not only do we see uh, our relationship grow in Him, but also we have a chance to model what Pastor Dan preached earlier. In Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. And that model right there we see throughout the Scripture. One of the things that I like, or one of the places I like, is Philippians 2, 3 and 4, where Paul says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. And I can just stop right there and say, when we agree to serve the Lord, whatever, whatever it is, it, it doesn't matter how minor you may think it is. If God puts something on your heart to do, it's major because he's asked you. He's led you. And then Paul here says that it should not be done through selfish ambition or conceit. It's not about us. You know, when we agree to serve, it's not about us. It's not about our way. It's not about what I want. It's about the opportunity God has given us to serve. So let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. I like how Dr. Adrian Rogers just simplifies this verse. He says, this verse does not teach us to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less so that we can think of others more. So not only do we grow when we serve the Lord, but we, we are blessed. John 12, 26 Jesus said this, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. So there's the motivation for serving, is our growth. And let me just say this, serving is not limited to the organized ministries within this church. Now that's a great place to be and we want you to plug in here there's a lot of great ministries going on serve ministries going on in our campus we want you to be a part of that because it reaches so many people in our community but it doesn't stop there right I mean it involves us when we're outside this building away from the ministries of this church we still have the responsibility to be servants of God 
Um, I carry several uh, my life groups, and I know several life groups in this church often make up these blessing bags. And it has a toboggan, a pair of socks, a track telling you how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a $10 uh, gift card to McDonald's. And I've given out several of these during the cold weather. And every time I do, somebody says, thank you. And it gives me a chance to say, don't, you know, you don't really need to thank me. God had you in mind. We had no idea when we put these bags together who it was going to go to, but God did. So you should really thank him because he loves you. But I'll tell you what I like about that bag. I keep them in my car. I've got two in my truck right now. And every time I get in my truck, I see those bags. And you know what it reminds me? It reminds me, Steve, keep your eyes open today. Do you ever get so focused, so blinders on that you, you can't see people in need? That reminds me every day that I get in my truck, hey, pay attention. Somebody may be out on the side of the road that could use this and, and could use to hear God loves you. So... The motivation for serving the Lord, His goodness, our growth, but also the gospel. The gospel should motivate us to serve others. Uh, Friday night at Tony Evans, we had Scotty Inman singing here. Uh, he sung a song that was inspired by a sermon that Anthony Kendall preached. Both of those men grew up in this church, were saved in this church, served in this church, and are now serving the Lord. But here's the name of the song. Saved people serve people. Served people get saved. Good combination, right? Saved people will serve people. And people who are served will get saved. All of us as followers uh, are called to that purpose. And the thing about all of our ministries, they're all designed and, and, and purposed to share the gospel. We want to meet the needs of our neighbors, but we also primarily want to share the gospel. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word, that's sharing, or deed, that's doing, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let me, in closing, just share a recent story of seeing God work through one of our ministries. Uh, it was probably the Wednesday before, the last Wednesday that we had Wednesday night activities here on campus. Uh, usually I have an agenda on Wednesdays. Uh, long about three o'clock, I, I, I start uh, leaving to go collect a few of my grandchildren. We go eat, and then we come here for Wednesday night activities. It's the highlight of my week. I love to do that, uh, sitting around the table, just talking, being with grandkids. It's, it's, it's really neat. So that, that was on my agenda. It was about 3 o'clock, and I get a call from Jerry Patton, who leads our Helping Hands ministry. And he said, Steve, we've got a family that needs help. And immediately I thought, well, I've got things to do. And so I, I go over there, and um, it's a Hispanic family. It's a gentleman and, and two ladies. And they had walked from Pigeon Forge. The middle of Pigeon Forge, they had walked to get some clothing the reason they walked is because their, their, the tires on their car were so bad, they were afraid to get out on the road. And also, they told us through translators that this was the last night that they were going to be able to stay at the hotel that they were staying at. 
So I'm thinking, okay. I called uh, a good friend, John, out at Five Oaks Tire. I said, John, do y'all ever make roadside calls? He said, no, we, we, we quit doing that a long time ago. And I told him about this Hispanic family. I said, told him what had happened and how they couldn't get there in a car because their tires were so bad. He said, well, let me see what I can do. So where, where are they at and all that stuff. So anyway, we, we get a church van and we take the ladies back. They had two big old bags of clothing. We took them back so they wouldn't have to walk. The gentleman had already left and was walking around downtown trying to find a job. They couldn't speak any English at all. So Carmelo, who works with Helping Hands and several other ministries, stayed with me and uh, we got those ladies back to where they belong but so i called john and had this conversation with him and i said look john if you could just repair their tire replace their tire i said i'll be glad to pay for it and jerry Patton said hey i'll help you i said okay that's fine so we get out there the mechanics there he's looking at the tires and i want to tell you the tires were awful you could see metal instead of tread that's how bad they were and so uh, the mechanic said, hey, by the way, John called and said, if we can get this car back to the shop, we might be able to put four tires on the car. And now I'm thinking, man, what have I committed to? You know, tires are expensive. So sure enough, me and Carmelo get in the church van. Uh, they had a young man to drive the, the car with terrible tires behind us and then the mechanic. We were going about 10 miles an hour down the par parkway with our hazard lights on. So we pulled into Five Oaks and there was an open bay. So he pulls the car in and I pull up a little bit. And so I go in and I see John and I say, John, uh, look, I've got to go. Remember, I've got an agenda that I've got to be to shortly. As a matter of fact, I'm late. And uh, I said, uh, John, listen, when you fix, fix their tires, just, just call me. Let me know what I owe you and I'll, I'll bring you a check. And he said, well, Steve, there'll be no charge. And I said, no, no, John, I can't call you and ask you to do stuff like this and not pay for it. I didn't expect you to give it. He said, no, there's no charge. I said, well, now, John, we were going back and forth. You're depriving us of a blessing. He said, you don't understand, Steve. Come here. So we go into the room where he has all of his tires. And there was four tires on a dolly. He said, you see these four tires? I said, yeah. He said... We don't even, he said, we don't even hardly carry these tires. He said, but a lady came in an hour ago and she said, I want four new tires. He said, I only had one set of tires that would fit her car. And I said, ma'am, he said, we told her, said, ma'am, your car doesn't need tires. These tires are good. She said, I know winter's coming on. I want four new tires. So they took her tires off and put on the new set. And then they had this set. She said, you could have those tires. I don't want them. They were exactly the size tire that this Hispanic family needed on their car. And he said to me, you see why I can't charge you and I can't charge them? God literally brought these tires to us 30 minutes ago. And we'll be glad to put them on that family's car. So they drove away with four new tires. And I just about missed that blessing because I had an agenda. Two things that I learned from that experience. Number one, how amazing is it that with all the serious things going on in our world, that God could see the need of a Hispanic family that needed new tires. 
Is that not amazing? And the second thing I learned is this. If God lays on your heart something to do, or if an opportunity comes up for you to serve him, he will take care of your agenda. Because he did that day. I still got my grandkids. We went out and ate and still got here to church for Wednesday night activities. So I just want to say that to encourage you to make yourself available to serve the Lord. You get to see his hand at work in the lives of so many people. We have these serve pamphlets as you go out of the auditorium today. I would encourage you to pick one up. Look on the back and see all the ministries that we have going on at First Baptist Church. Um, the people who oversee those ministries the, uh, ministries, the staff people, their emails are on there. Pick one up, look over it, pray over it. And if you feel like God is leading you in a certain direction, email them and say, I want to be involved. I want to be part of serving the Lord here at First Baptist Church. Thank you, Brother Dan. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, you know, I look out today and see so many people who volunteer or just constantly answering that call to step up and to serve the Lord here in some way. Uh, I just, my eyes fell earlier right on uh, Jim and Karen Corton, and they're just so key to our um, uh, hot meals program on Monday nights. Thank you so much for the way that you serve. And I could call out the names of so many others. Our church has just been so faithful. I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to get stuck just receiving and living out your Christian life in this display case. We need to break out and give to the Lord and serve in response to His goodness and for the sake of the gospel, and so that we will continue to grow. And uh, I want to encourage you, challenge you to do that today. Let's all stand together. And uh, would you just bow with me in prayer? Let's pray a prayer of commitment of our lives to serve the Lord in whatever way He leads, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for all that You have done for us. We don't want to just live our lives oblivious to all of the ways that you've been good to us. In response, Lord, we want to give of ourselves, of our time, our talents, our energy, in order to serve others, to open up a door for the gospel. And so we pray you would lead us to those who were broken, lead us to those who have needs, Lead us to the places where we can best plug in and begin to honor you and glorify you with our service. And Lord, I pray that you would not allow us to become selfish people who just care about our own wants and our own needs. Lord, help us to do what you did. That is to set your mind not to be served, but to serve. We pray, Lord, the result will be many people coming to faith in Christ because we care enough to pick up a stretcher, to go to somebody with a need and do whatever we have to do, go wherever we have to go, 
in order to get them to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.